Good morning, good afternoon, good evening Fitzroy. Whatever time you're watching this, you're very welcome to Fitzroy Online. I'm Steve Stockman, I'm the Minister in Fitzroy, if you don't know by now. And we welcome you from all across the world and our own community in Fitzroy as we continue six months into this COVID-19 pandemic to worship uh, together alone in our families, in our homes. Um, You're very, very welcome to that. But can I say that Fitzroy were getting ready to gather again? Session took a decision on Thursday night that we would uh, start gathering in a month's time. I'm not giving you the exact date today because there's much work has to be done in the next week. But by next Sunday, I will be able to give you a time. I will be able to tell you when you can come back to church or at least we can when we can start some of us to come back, maybe even in rotation. The reason for that is that we may have too many people who want to gather for the numbers we're going to be able to have within the building to stay with the health and safety. So we need you to help us from the outset. And the first thing that we need from you as a congregation is will you come back to worship? Can I say that if you're shielding and if you're vulnerable, that uh, you might want to come back and you might feel it's your duty to come back. But I do suggest to you that you are uh, sensitive and sensible and that if you're shielding or sheltering, that uh, this might not be the place for you to come in the foreseeable future, but let's hope that changes. For some of you who might be carrying symptoms or maybe are carrying things or maybe are going back into vulnerable places, uh, again, use your uh, wisdom and uh, sense uh, to decide whether you want to come back to worship. For those of you who do want to come back to worship, if we have more than the number we can put into one service, we're going to have to rotate you over a series of weeks. So we need to know the numbers to see whether it's one week, whether it's two weeks, or whether it's three weeks. So if you could this week uh, just send an email to Roberta, the email address will come up on the screen, and it will also be on the screen right at the end of the end of the service with the credits. Uh, it is Roberta at Fitzroy.org. Dot UK. Roberta at Fitzroy.org.uk. Just tell us that you want to come and if you're a family, how many of you there are who will be coming. And then we will start the administrative job of getting us all uh, at some stage over the next wee while back into Fitzroy, which would be good. We'll be praying about that a little bit later on in the service, but thank you for your time. Also, um, if you're a member of Fitzroy and you haven't been able to give as a result of no plate passing by now for six months, uh, I think everything on the website's a little bit easier. And so go on there, please. And if you want to give your offering in that way, that would be fantastic. And can I thank so many from across the world who have been joining us, as I call associate members over this last while, who have given very generously. Um, that is really appreciated at that time. And if you haven't and you want to, as I say on the website, that should be a little bit easier. We are coming to worship and we are going to worship God with the first song, which is 10,000 Reasons. And 10,000 Reasons for me, the reason I chose it this week was uh, for these lines. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass, whatever lies before me. Let me be singing when the evening comes, whatever we're going through in these days. And every day is different. Whatever lies before us, whatever is going to get in our way. Let us be singing and worshiping God for all his goodness in these days as well. Let us worship him. Bless the Lord, 
mentioned at the outset of the service we are starting the process of working out all that needs to be worked out to try and gather again within the church building. I'm aware of many churches in our own presbytery who are starting to gather today. I know others who are preparing to do so and others who've been meeting for a time. It's a challenge. There's an investment in this 
And so I thought this morning, as we come to prayer, that we would concentrate on that for the churches that have already met or are meeting today, and for us as we start to consider gathering. Let us pray together. Lord, the psalmist spoke of the desire for the people of God to meet. The psalmist sings, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Lord, our hearts have been heavy for these last six months as we have missed gathering in the traditional way. We have missed being actually with one another, that communal sense of communion with God and with his people. And we thank you, Lord, for the imagination that has been able to breach that gap the technology that has brought worship and your word into our homes, where we've been able to worship together alone. Lord, may we not take this for granted, as many other generations would not have had such a privilege. We thank you for the gifted production team who gave of their time and talents. We thank you for those who have led our worship. We thank you for the body of Christ where all have different gifts and for all those gifts being used in these days. Lord, we thank you too for our new online family that meet with us, maybe not at the same time of the day and certainly not in the same place in the world. We thank you for the new sense of family that has been created in these days. And Lord, as we sense the time to return to the church building, we have much to pray for. We pray for those responsible for health and safety standards, for the thorough preparation to make the building safe. We pray for those who will administer how it is done, who can come, what week they can come, where people sit. Lord, we pray for elders and stewards as they steward the gathering, meeting people at the door, taking them to their seat, minimizing contact with others and things. Lord, we pray for the planning of the surface itself, that myself and those who lead the worship will be able to find imaginative ways to minister not only online, but in live gathering in the same day. Give us creative ways so that we can give our best to both. Lord, we need courage and great wisdom for this venture ahead of us. Meet our needs. And Lord, we pray for us all. Give us wisdom as to whether it is safe for us to come to church, either as those vulnerable to catch the virus or those of us who might have symptoms to share it. Lord, make us alert and caring for others as we gather, that we would be careful in how we enter the building and how we leave. Lord, we pray for those who will not feel able to come. Lord, continue to bless them with the online service. And Lord, may they not feel even more isolated, knowing that people are back in Fitzroy and they cannot be. Lord, most of all, we pray for the return on the heavy investment that all of this is. We pray, Lord, that though curtailed in fellowship, curtailed in singing, and curtailed in time, that these gatherings will bring us a spiritual lift, that it will be a blessing for us all, that it will be a resource of resilience as we continue to traverse the strange terrain that we follow Jesus in today. Lord, these are difficult times. May we who have hope in you and the imagination of the Holy Spirit and the compassion of Jesus for the sheep without a shepherd shine bright in the COVID-19 generation for your glory and your honour. Amen.
reading is taken from Philippians 2 verses 12 to 18. Do everything without grumbling. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with all of me. I want to start our sermon this week with a song. It's a song that came to me probably in the early days, the very early days of lockdown. Uh, 
It's a song written by a guy called Stephen Fearing. He's a Canadian who actually went to school in Ireland because I think his mother might be Irish. He was the very first musician that Janice and I saw together as a couple. We went to see Gregson and Collister at the Royal Festival Hall, and this young fella came on before them as the support act, and it was Stephen Fearing. And I've been following his music ever since. This particular song is not on a Stephen Fearing album. It's on a, an album by a, a bit of a Canadian uh superstar group, though you'll not know any of them, called uh, Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. And it's a song called Grace. Uh, and Stephen says that he was in his hotel room. They were recording the album and um, he had a little bit of time. It was late at night and uh, the water is wide. That traditional tune was ringing around in his head and he wrote this song. And it's a song of hope. That's why we're singing it today. It's a song of grace. He talks about needing grace in the brokenness and looking for a light in the dark. And when I heard it, I thought we need to do that in worship. And over the next week or two, I decided I would get uh, Stephanie Hall to try and do something with it and record it. And she did months ago. And this is the Sunday that I want to use it. So this is a song called Grace. It's written by Stephen Fearing. And um, please listen carefully to this because there's so many weeks in the last six months that this song has spoken directly into my soul.
Isn't it an amazing song? I just love the lyrics of it. I look for grace when I am broken. A deep sea diver reaching for a pearl. One tiny light in all this darkness. Till the morning. Till the morning. Until the morning shines upon the world. The hope of this song. Uh, Stephen Fearing, I mean, that first night when Janice and I went to see him at the Royal Festival Hall, he did an incredible instrumental of Be Thou My Vision. I, I don't know what spiritually he holds to, um, but this song is to me deeply, deeply spiritual. And it is a song of hope. And it certainly uh, was not written in a coronavirus time. It came out almost just as coronavirus hit the world. But it seems so appropriate. How man, how often have we felt broken and looked for that grace and how we need that tiny light in the darkness and something that shines upon the world. I, it's, it's wonderful. Give it a, a listen again. Play it back. Stephanie, thank you very much for that version. So, so that led me into this idea of hope. And we'll come back to that right at the end of the service. Uh, because we'll have another song post-benediction that will be a meditation almost in all the things biblically that we can hope in, all those little hopeful verses and lines and in, in, in the scriptures. But where this sermon comes from was that song, and wanting to definitely use that song, and then bumping into Doug Smith, who works for Youth Initiatives. He's an American chap who I've known for many a year, many years. We bumped into each other because Janice was um, in one of the Belfast stores looking for uh, <clears throat> a mousetrap. And can I just say that um, uh, after two days of me trying to catch a mouse in a mousetrap, Steve and Greg came over and set one down and caught one in five minutes. There are people who just, they get on. Anyway, so we're, we're looking for a mousetrap. It's caught. It's gone. The manse is now mouse-free, we hope. So let's get over that. Um, what happened was, bumped into Doug, and every conversation you have now is, are you back at church? And, and what's it like? And when are you thinking about going back to church? And how have you been through these months? It, there's something substantial to talk about. And as we were talking about it, and we didn't have very long, Sue Miller actually passed us as we were uh, having the conversation. It was a very short conversation. But it ended with... Um, a little moment of dialogue where Doug said to me, but sure, isn't this our time? And I responded immediately saying, yes, we're the people of hope. We're the people of imagination and we're the people of compassion. And that sent me off on that line in Acts chapter 13, where, where Paul's uh, preaching and he talks about David. And he says about King David, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation. I was immediately drawn from my conversation with Doug to that particular line. Uh, it was a line when I was uh, in my uh, early 20s and uh, I, I loved that. And that's what I was praying to God for, that I would be someone who would serve God's purpose in my generation. Now, how much more is that relevant um, in these months that we're living through and maybe months to come or maybe, maybe a year till we find vaccines or we find ways around this pandemic. So as Doug and I were having the conversation and I, I came back home, I thought, that's what I want to inspire us with this week. As your pastor, as your minister, as someone who's trying to 
somehow be prophetic on a Sunday uh, in an online service. I want to get us um, excited about the possibility that we are the people for this generation, that we can serve God's purpose for our world at this time. I wasn't sure about the Acts 13 reading. It was incredibly long. And so I started then in my uh, researching of the scriptures for this um, to find other places. And I quickly went to Philippians chapter two that Lois read for us earlier. Happy 22nd birthday in the past week, Lois. Uh, the, the passage that Lois read to us is that incredible line where we would, it says, then you will shine among the crooked and warped generation that he speaks about, Paul, in the verse before, that you will shine among them like stars in the sky, that, a, that we would be light in our generation, that we would shine like stars in the sky, stars that if we look up at them, give us some sense of, they give us some sense of our mortality. They give us some sense of our small finiteness. They show us just how tiny and in some ways insignificant, but for the love of God that we might be. They give us some sense of order in the universe. And of course, in Paul's day, they would have given a sense of the way to guide ourselves through all our journeys. These stars that shine in the sky, these stars that remind us who we are as human beings in God's vast order of things, these stars that tell us about the order, that there's some sense in the chaos that seems to be going on around us, these stars that give us guidance and light in the journey. That's what serving God in our own generation is about that we would be those who have some sense of some kind of order to this chaos that we're living through, particularly in the COVID-19 pandemic, that we would be those who might know the next step. I don't mean miles down the road. What what we've said today is that we're going to gather as a congregation. There's a whole lot of stuff between telling you that and getting into the church building and we're taking it step by step. But with God, we have some sense of guidance, of his light that might allow us to be lights. And don't forget Stephen Fearing looking for that light that would shine in, his, in the darkness, that we would be those who would bring guidance to the journey. So how do we do that? How do we shine like stars? How do we serve the purpose in the generation? Well, it seemed to me as I got to Philippians chapter two that we just go back a little bit because these verses that Lewis read come straight out of that incredible subversive hymn of uh, about Jesus. It seems without doubt that it was a hymn of the early church. And without question, it must be one of the greatest lyrics ever written because all the entire gospel and the entire theology of the gospels are all in these few verses. Oh, that the worship songs in 2020 would be as theologically robust, succinct and brilliant as these lines that we know so well, that God, uh, being in very, very nature, God, Jesus uh, decided to become human and become obedient even to death on a cross. This is a, the upside downness of the kingdom, that the God of the universe would humble himself, that the God of the universe would come down among us, that the God of the universe, who is the victim of our rebellion, the God of the universe who has suffered the hurt from our rebellion, that the God of the universe who we have hurt 
is the God of the universe who gets in our place and takes the punishment for all that we have done that stands in the breach for us and our injustices and our suffering. The one who was blameless is the one who takes the rap. It's just an incredible story. It's an incredible gospel and it's an incredible hymn that encapsulates that. So if we want to shine, it seems to me like these uh, in, this, like the, in the sky uh, in these verses after that, then the humility of Jesus, the humility of God, the servanthood of God, the servanthood of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings is crucial to how we serve God's purpose in our generation. And if we want then to go to the first few verses of the chapter, that's all about how we live this out in our own Christian community. And I love the verses in, in those first five verses, um, our first four verses of Philippians 2, particularly the ones that say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Rather in humility, Look out for the other, rather, um, look out for other people's interests. Um, Paul uses those in Romans 12 as well. Paul talks, uh, these couple of times about what that's like to see other people's interests as more important than yours. That's what the hymn's about, about Jesus. God sees other people's interests above God's interests and does something about it in this servant way. This is what Paul talks about that should be happening within the church. Other people above yourselves. Now, just for a moment in our generation, in our crooked and warped generation, as Paul talked about his generation, what is the natural inclination? Have we a world out there that's saying, you're above my interests? I put you above my interests. How can I serve you? It's an antithesis of the world and the culture around us. And yet this is the gospel. And this is the way that we shine like stars in the sky, shining in a crooked generation. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You know, I've said it before, although I probably haven't said it online. There is no point of a shining where all the light is gathered together. Shining in a church building is a wonderful thing, but it's not where we should be in the sky. Stephen Fearing's song says, I need a light in where? His darkness. The world is dark and it needs a light. We need to be out in that light, shining like stars in our generation. Just a short story to kind of explain that and, and summing up. Um, over the summer, I read some amazing novels. It was my best summer of novel reading ever. Just choose better. And in fact, I probably allowed other people to choose for me. Because I had a list of books that I was going to read. And then on Facebook, I caught on that there was other books that I needed to put in there and maybe put above my choices. And one of those <clears throat> was um, American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Janine Cummins, by the way, whose parents, uh, she's an American, married to an Irish man from Mayo. But apparently her parents were involved in those, you know, those summer schemes where people from Belfast went across to America and Catholics and Protestants met together for six weeks in the summer, <coughs> excuse me, to get them out of Belfast and the troubles and all of that. Uh, Janine's family hosted those for six years. So if you have six weeks with some um, 
girl from Belfast that's living in your house, you probably get pretty close to them. And Janine came after university and she worked in a Belfast pub for a couple of years. So we're going to claim her as a bit of our own. Her book's amazing. And I don't want to go into that because I don't have time, but many of you have read it. But basically what happens is Lydia and Luca. Uh, Lydia is the mother of Luca, who's about eight years old. And uh, it starts with them cowering in their bathroom where the rest of their family, 16 of their family, mothers, grannies, aunts, uncles, husband, father, uh, are mowed down by a drug cartel and murdered right where they're uh, just inside in a bathroom. And they then have to flee and they become migrants on their way to North America out of Mexico. Acapulco, actually. And it's their journey. And of course, because uh, Lydia is a middle class woman, then what Janine has carefully done is she's put us into that story. Those who would judge the migrants as, as these wasters who are coming to look for our jobs. Here's a woman who wasn't a waster. Here's a woman who was married to a very successful journalist who had her own bookshop and suddenly because of the dangers around her has to flee to North America and we're into a very interesting story. And they bump into two Honduran girls along the way. They're teenagers running again from a very violent past and they ride the, uh, the, the La Bestia, which is the train that uh, these migrants jump off bridges onto um, the, the roofs of, and all kinds of things happen. It is gripping. It is gripping. It's very hard to put down and um, and very frightening and tearful at times and tender at times and incredibly wonderful at times. And I want to tell you about the most wonderful moment for me in the book. I'm not sure where Janine is in her faith, but... <clears throat> Before this incident, she actually has a little bit of go at year team, uh, the summer teams. Uh, there's a there's a mission team down in Mexico, and uh, they, they they want to get Lydia and Luca through a few cartel roadblocks. So so one of the ideas is that that they put them in with this mission team, and they disguise themselves as part of the mission team, and that would get them through the roadblocks without the cartel that are on their tails, the drug cartel catching them. And uh, that's too dangerous. You don't want to put the mission team in danger. And one of them says, "What did they just come down here?" Um, to make pancakes and to get photographs with skinny brown kids. Uh, it's a challenge for teams that go away. That's not what we're away to do. We're not away to be safe. We're away to serve others. But that's not what I want to tell you about today, even though I've told you about it. What I want to tell you about today is another scene. They've come off the train, the roof of the train, and they're looking for a town that they might rest in for a while before they climb back on another train in a day or two's time. And as they come down off the train and they make their way towards what they think's the town, a car stops and this guy gets out. And he tells them that he's a doctor in the local clinic. And they are past suspicion at this point. They really don't believe anybody. There's been a lot of violence done to them. There's been all kinds of money stolen. They don't trust anybody. And they're not trusting this doctor. They don't want to get into the car with this doctor because they don't know where he's going to take them. Is he part of the drug cartel that's after them? Could he take them away and torture them or rape them or whatever else it's going to be? And so they're very, very suspicious. And eventually Lydia says to him, why do you um, why do you want to help us anyway? And the man touches the gold crucifix around his neck. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. Lydia automatically blesses herself and says, A stranger and you welcome me in. She completes the scripture, passing the water to Rebecca. Here's a moment where somebody has come into their anxiety and their uncertainty. And he's come in because he has seen other people as more important than himself. A man who is a doctor in a local clinic in a town has no reason to go out at night and bump into migrants coming off a train to try to help them in the next part of their journey. 
The only reason you would do that is that you put other people above yourself, that you humble yourself from your doctor's role and you become a friend of the marginalized. Why does he do it? Because he's trying to follow Jesus. Why does he do it? Because in this moment, he is, and I know he's fictitious. Well, he might be. It might be someday that Janine came across in her research. But certainly in this moment in the book, he serves God and his generation. He shines like a guiding star in the universe for these people on the run. He shows them that there's a different order of things. He brings hope back into the lives of those who've lost hope in all humanity, lost trust in all humanity, and are not sure where their next step is going to be. And what about us this weekend? Can we be tangible hope to those that we meet? Can we serve God's purpose in our generation? Is this our time? Could we be the grace for those who are broken in Stephen Fearing's song? Because certainly, surely we could be that little light in the dark, a light that shines the way until the morning, until the morning comes again. We are the light of the world. We need to serve God, his purpose for our generation and our generation right now is COVID-19 generation. We need to be those who shine like stars in the universe, bringing hope compassion and a guiding light to all around us. Set rule and reign in our hearts again increase in us we pray unveil while we're made Set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come and invade us now. We are your church, and we need your part in us. We seek your kingdom first. Hunger and we thirst Refuse to waste our lives For your, our joy and price To see the captive hearts release The hurt, the sick, the poor and peace We lay down our lives for heaven's cause We are your church This earth. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets and land. Set your church on fire. Win this nation back. Your kingdom here, we pray. Unleash your kingdom's part, 
reaching the near and far. No force of hell can stop your beauty changing hearts. You made us for much more than this. Awake the kingdom seed in us. Fill us with the strength and love of Christ. Are your church, and we pray the hope on earth. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets and lands. Set your church on fire. Make this. Back. Chase the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. Build your kingdom here, let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets and land. Send your church on fire, win this nation back. Change the atmosphere, build your kingdom here, we pray. Thank you again for uh, watching and listening. And may God bless you wherever you are in the world. Uh, in the next week, let's share a benediction together. Father, give us hope in the darkness. Jesus, give us compassion for those without a shepherd. And Holy Spirit, shine a light to guide us in these anxious and uncertain days. Amen.